In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus told the disciples a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Seems easier said than done these days, doesn't it? What Jesus says, to not lose heart. We look around, we live in a world, we witness unthinkable things. Children, innocent children, murdered in abortion. There's a constant change of language, of pronouns, of what it means to be man and woman, of what it means to be husband and wife. And so we might lose heart when we look around our culture, our society, or even humanity. We see the Christian church as well. When we look around, we see that there are errors in many places. There is deception and false teaching and sometimes just plain silliness. Or apathy, too. And it's easy to lose heart looking around the state of the Christian church in our country. And if all that wasn't enough, of course, there are friends and loved ones that die. Our own disease and bodies become riddled with these things. Bodies, minds affected by illness, sickness, suffering. Our own sinful flesh, too. And the devil, of course, looks for every little hole, every little chink in our armor, waiting to launch and hurl fiery darts of despair and doubt our way. And so we lose heart in ourselves. And maybe even if we're honest... We lose heart in our standing before God, too. How does he see me? And so many think this parable is about persistence in prayer. And it is. There's part of that going on here. But if it reveals a persistence in prayer, as in that's the whole point of the parable, it then reveals our utter failure, our complete failure to be persistent in prayer. Because the only thing we've really been persistent in is being persistent sinners. It's easy to be discouraged, to lose heart in this life. That's why Jesus told his disciples this parable. It's why he tells us this parable too, to not lose heart. So yes, it is a parable about prayer, but more importantly, it's about God's promises. Because Jesus points to the persistence of this widow as a way to pray to him, knowing that he will hear us promising to listen and to answer in his good and gracious will. And so prayer is not done because we do it to earn his favor or somehow appease him, you know, maybe like throwing a virgin in a volcano or something silly like that, but because he is even more persistent in giving divine mercy to you, in being merciful and gracious for you. And so this parable, like every other parable, is about Jesus himself. Jesus gives us the parable that we may not lose heart, that we may instead rejoice in his gracious persistence, his continual love and mercy, his persistence to forgive and save us. But of course, at first, admittedly, it seems a bit like an odd parable, doesn't it? It begins this way, in a certain city... There was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. The judge did not fear God, meaning he wasn't a believer, he wasn't an Israelite, he did not confess Yahweh, the Lord, as the true God. He was a Gentile, perhaps worshiper of any number of pagan gods, or nothing, we don't know. 
But apparently, he didn't care too much for his fellow Gentiles either. And in a wonderful stroke of storytelling genius, Jesus uses this example of a bad judge, of what we may maybe even call an unjust judge, to illustrate the goodness and righteousness of God. Jesus uses this unjust judge to reveal the great mystery of God's justice that is opened up and revealed and made known to us in Jesus' death and resurrection. You see, Jesus uses the parable of this unrighteous judge to teach us about his great righteousness in his laying down his life for you. And so the parable goes on. There was also a widow in that city, and she kept coming to this judge day and night and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. Now, it might seem like a widow is a bit of an odd choice for a main character. I mean, compared to the judge, at the time, the widow had little power, no prestige, no authority to stand on in ancient Israel. She would have been seen by people around her in the culture as vulnerable and helpless, the kind of person people would brush and write off easily. But she did have something important going for her. She was persistent. Over and over and over she kept coming to this judge. And he had no regard for her, or for justice, really. She persisted because he was the only way that she was going to be vindicated against this adversary that she had. Even when the judge kept postponing her case, dismissing her day after day, she kept coming to court day after day after day. It's a little bit like Jacob. See how Jacob wrestled with God in Genesis 32. This woman is wrestling with the judge. And she won't take no for an answer. Kind of reminds me a little bit of how Martin Luther once said that when, when we suffer, we can take God's promises and just stick them in his ear and rub them and remind him of him. You promised to be with me. You promised to bless me. But as persistent as this widow is, or even Jacob is in Genesis, Jesus is even more persistent. You see, it's good to be persistent in prayer, and that is part of this parable. But when we do so, and when we hear it that way, know that any prayer we have is a prayer that is a fruit of our faith. It comes from God's gift that calls us to call upon Him anyway. Prayer is never the foundation that faith is built upon. Just like emotions aren't either. They make a rather poor up and down kind of foundation. Because faith rests in Jesus. Not in the frequency of prayer, as if we're more faithful so we have lots of prayers, or our failure of prayer either. See, Jesus died and rose again so that all our prayers might be heard. That we might call upon our Heavenly Father as dear children call upon their own dear Father. As Luther says in our small catechism, with boldness, with confidence, knowing that he has promised to hear us and knowing that he will give us what we need according to that good and gracious will that is his. So how then did this unjust judge respond to the widow's persistence? Well, for a while he refused, St. Luke records. But Jesus goes on. Afterward, this judge says to himself, Though I neither fear God, though I do not respect man, but because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Now, the Greek in this part is a lot of fun, I think. It's it's a little more exciting. It kind of changes the story a little bit. 
I will give her justice or vindicate her, the judge says, so that she will not keep coming to me until the end that she gives me a black eye. How about that for persistence? Hmm? It's why he's called the unjust judge. Because when he finally decides to take the widow's case, he doesn't do it because it's right. He doesn't do it because it's the noble or just thing to do or because he is full of duty as a judge. No. He's simply tired of hearing the widow's case and bothering him. And he's worried that she's going to haul off and sock him in the eye. Again, Jesus uses this bad example of a judge. A bad judge to illustrate the goodness of God. The comparison isn't in the judge itself, right? Because God is in no way a crooked or corrupt judge. He is holy and righteous and perfect, infinitely wise. But it's this way. The comparison is this, that if the unjust judge, who only worries about himself and couldn't care less about the widow, if he finally gives her justice, how much more then? How much greater then will God, who is just, who is righteous, who is wise and holy and all-gracious and merciful, how much more then will he forgive our sins? How much more will he justify us in the death of his Son, Christ our Lord? If the unjust judge vindicates the widow, mostly out of selfishness, how much more then will Jesus, who is unselfish, completely selfless, how much more will he give of himself? He will be judged in our place and give us his righteousness in his dying and rising. In fact, in the words of the judge in the parable, he does. He watches over his elect, you, his chosen ones. And he does it speedily, swiftly. Hear what the unrighteous judge says, Jesus goes on to conclude the parable. And will not God give justice to the elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give them justice speedily. See, Jesus tells this parable, and we see that in this parable, he is a judge unlike any other. He is gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He is not selfish or unjust like the judge in the parable, but selfless, righteous, giving his own life for you. And more than that, he's not even bothered by our persistence, but he invites it. He welcomes it. The Psalms are full of persistent prayers. How long, O Lord? Those are good prayers to pray when we lose heart. And he prays for us too. Because as Jesus is telling this parable in Luke 18, he is on his way to Jerusalem. He is on his way to the cross. There on the cross, he prayed for you as well. He died for you to vindicate and bring you justice in his death and resurrection. To rise from the dead for you. To ascend to the Father for you. And there he lives as God and man to plead and to pray and intercede for you before the Father. To do it perfectly and eternally and persistently. Like the widow only, better. You have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And so in Jesus' death and resurrection, it's case closed. The verdict is in. You are pronounced not guilty. You are set free. You are forgiven. In Jesus' righteousness, we have swift rescue. We have speedy salvation. We have the verdict that we heard earlier this morning. 
You are forgiven all your sins. You have the righteous robes that are dawned upon you, which is incidentally why pastors wear white robes. But you have them too in baptism. You have also today his forgiving and healing, justifying body and blood shed for you. That you come here and receive speedily. It is good to be persistent in prayer as our Lord teaches us. But of course we know we're not always persistent. But Jesus tells us this parable that you may not lose heart. For Jesus is all the more persistent to heal and save, to hear and forgive you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.